Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Body Rappers, Angelo Luzio is happy to be the sponsor of this episode of Conversations on Dance. Body Rappers, Angelo Luzio is known for its fine, total stretch tights and Angelo Luzio shoes and has Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, as its spokesperson and designer for the Tyler Peck Designs for Premiere. It takes a dancer who lives in a leotard eight hours a day to know what is best in a leotard, so Tyler's original leotard fits perfectly. Our ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and our beautiful move well with the body and won't ride up in the back. September means back to school and dance classes. Body Rappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that include ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angelo Luzio shoes. You may view all of their products at bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Rappers, go to dancewearcorner.com. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are joined by distinguished balancing ballerina, Heather Watts. Immediately noticed for her stunning physicality and the individuality of her interpretations, Watts was one of the last ballerinas to inspire Balanchine, having roles created on her in ballets like Walpurgis Nacht, and danced many of his existing masterpieces such as Concerto Barocco, Symphony in C, and Theme and Variations. She has devoted her life after the stage to keeping Balanchine's works alive. Whether it's giving lectures on the way Balanchine's worlds related to art and world events at the time of their creation, or coaching her roles for the many artists of the Vail Dance Festival. In 2012, Watts was awarded an honorary doctorate from Hunter College. She is married to former New York City Ballet principal dancer Damien Wetzel. Today we talk with Heather about her early career, how she caught Balanchine's eye, the way his death impacted her life, and why coaching his ballets and influencing the next generation is so important to her. Thank you so much, Heather, for joining us today, uh, especially since you and I are both under the weather. So <laughs> we're, we're really over the weather. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. We're really grateful that you could come Thank you. chat with us. So uh, we thought we'd just start at the, the beginning of everything, which is um, when you first became a, aware of Balanchine and the School of American Ballet, what was your draw to that? Um, well, I have a funny background because I started what you might consider relatively late. I was, I think, 10 or 11. And um, shortly thereafter, the um, New York City Ballet came to Los Angeles. And I went to ballet in a little strip mall. I had a very... Um, respected teacher, uh, it turns out, but that just happened to be in my community. Sheila Roseanne, who is still teaching today in Taos, I believe. Um, anyway, uh, so I went to the audition for the Midsummer Night's Dream, and I was chosen to be a big bug, and it was all terribly exciting, um, except, you know, my parents really weren't 
uh, hadn't signed on for this. I was just taking ballet in a strip mall. Next thing they know, I'm like in a station wagon and, and rehearsals down at the Greek theater. It was all very exciting. And it was a, an amazing cast, I must say. It was, it was Edward, it was Eddie as Oberon and, um, and the very young Suzanne Farrell as Titania and Arthur Mitchell as Puck and Suki Shore as the lead butterfly. And she wore blue point shoes, which I just... You know, Suzanne had diamond earrings, and Suki had blue point shoes, and um, I mean, Eddie was so famous and so glamorous, and it was just, and he was so good, oh my God, Um, even though I was only like 11 years old, you know, and Suzanne was maybe... I don't know, maybe 18 or 19, and she was so lush. And when she would look at us and, and invite us up, I was just like, oh, wow. Um, so this is in the 60s, right? This is a long time ago. And uh, at that time, the New York City Ballet, I mean, this is all hindsight, uh, Balanchine had been given a very, very large grant by the School of America, uh, by the Ford Foundation, which he used in three ways. He used it to sort of colonize dance in America by going around looking at the local schools and inviting those students that they found to attend the School of American Ballet in the summer, and by inviting the very gifted teachers they identified to come to New York and be, I call it brainwashed, indoctrinated, <laughs> taught in a seminar. His motives, his his MOs, and how he uh, had, you know, was was in the process of altering technique as we knew it. Um, I learned uh, to do pirouettes from a bent back leg from my teacher. She came to New York and st- studied with Mr. Balanchine for a week, and when she came home, we were all turning with a straight back knee. Um, all of those little technical things were, uh, the way I held my hand was changed. Um, m- many things were changed. It wasn't so clear to me then, because I was 11, you know. Um, also, we were given scholarships to continue studying when we were very young. So I had what was called an honorary scholarship to study in Los Angeles. So um, I fell in lock, stock, and barrel for Balanchine for Midsummer. I saw some other ballets at the time from the top of the theater. Um, my parents took me to see, I saw Serenade, and uh, it was Mimi Paul doing the uh, Dark Angel and doing the Arabesque Promenade. But I didn't, I was seated so far away or I was so imaginative. I thought that she did it by herself. <laughs> so I worked on that really, really hard for a long time. And I pretty much taught myself how to scooch around on point. point without a boy. And then when I moved to New York and I saw there was a boy, I was like, oh, shoot. And so <laughs> I, all that work for nothing. Um, but, it, you know, it was so incredibly... Um, I mean, the women were so beautiful. Suki was so uh, diminutive and perfect, all pulled up, cross, you know. And I didn't really know about ballet so much as just these magical, magical creatures. And not because it was midsummer, because they were. Um, it, it was extraordinary to happen upon that at that age and uh, from that moment on. And they identified me and my teacher. Uh, Mr. Balanchine drove out there on the Santa Monica freeway and got lost. And I was such a kid, I wasn't even in the class that he kept saying, where's Hatter already? Where's Hatter? And I was always late, and he'd say, where's Hatter? But already then, when I was a little girl, he, he couldn't understand why I wasn't in the class. Um, it was, uh, you know, right at the turning point as the New York City Ballet is moving to Lincoln Center. And getting SPAC, getting the Saratoga Theater. So they're really just like amassing all the riches and the things that they've, you know, Balanchine and Lincoln worked so hard for. Um, what was your first impression of seeing Balanchine? Did you have like an initial memory of the first time you well, saw him? Well, the very first time, Rebecca, the first, first time I saw him was there at backstage at mm-hmm. Midsummer, And he came over and he said, can you do an Alasacone? And I, I didn't really know the words, you know, it wasn't <laughs> quite like that. And I just looked at him blankly, and he said, well, lift your leg to the side. So I did, and he looked at me for a long time, and then he just 
went like this and said, point your toe. And I thought <laughs> that was weird. Um, you know, he wasn't to me at that point, a household name. It wasn't, sure. you know, it was like he was the boss of this, of that. He wasn't what he became to me, which was the, you know, boss of everything. Really. <laughs> um, but the first time I saw him later on, when I came for the summer course, I was 13, and he walked in and stood on the stairs, made that little noise, and he was standing, he was very immaculately dressed, you know, I was from California, and, you know, he always called me a flower child and a hippie, and, you know, and, uh, you know, he had on a blazer, and it was hot, hot summer, remember how hot the summers would be, didn't have air conditioning back then on 83rd Street in that old school, you know, there was a lot of shock for me coming to the school. It wasn't at all like California. Mm -hmm. The dancers wore like pantyhose and skirts, you know, and I was in bell bottoms and Mexican wedding dress, uh, blouses and <laughs> clogs. And, you know, I was a little hippie chick. And so I think that also inter interested Balanchine. I think he thought, oh, what, what can, what can I get out of this? You know, um, hindsight. Yeah. You know, at the time, all it was was an aggravation. They were always telling me I dressed wrong. I did everything wrong. I was always in trouble. Um, but when he stood there, I realized the authority he cast over everyone. Madame Tumkovsky was teaching. And, you know, she stopped and looked at him. And everybody froze. Not in, not, not frozen with fear, but stopped. I mean, it, later on, the only thing I remember like that in my life was when Lincoln would walk in, Balanchine would stop. So there was sort of a line of you know, a pecking order, uh -huh. right? So uh, as a student, were you aware that Balanchine had an interest in you? And at what point did he take you into the company? Well, it's a complex story that involves a kind of lack of discipline on my part. I got in <laughs> trouble a lot. He was over there a lot. Um, he had to come from the theater to the school, which was housed in Juilliard uh, by then. Mm -hmm. I was in the first class that was in the Juilliard building. He, so he would come over and he would talk to me, you know, if I got in trouble. And I was always really honest with him. You know, I didn't try to pretend that I wasn't talking or wasn't chewing gum or wasn't doing too many parallels. I remember once I got in a lot of trouble with the Glesky because... You know, you know that thing you do when you lie, when you're a dancer, you say, I couldn't come down, <laughs> right? You know that thing, right? Of course you can come down. I, he said two pirouettes, I did three. He threw me out of the class, Balanchine came over, and I didn't try, I couldn't come down. I just said, it, you know, I, I just, it just felt so good. I just, <laughs> and you know, I think in his own way, Balanchine appreciated my forthrightness, uh, I remember he told me a wonderful sort of parable, if you will, about a, a, a stray cat and, and milk. And he would say, you know, you have a wild cat, a feral cat, and you, you put out milk and you run away and you come back and the bowl is empty. And then the next day the cat comes in and yells at you. And you put down the milk and you stay in the room and the cat drinks the milk. And the third day, finally, the cat comes to you and says, I want the milk, I want the milk. And he said, that's what I'm waiting for with you. I'm waiting for you to want to fit in. I think it was mostly, you know, it was, it was minor infractions. But, you know, it was like Danilova said, when I got in the company the day I got in, she said to Stanley, because Stanley told me, of course, um, Oh, look, did you see what Mr. Balanchine gave us for Christmas? He took Heather, you know. So I was kind of a problematic kid, and they were happy to see me go, and I was glad to go. <laughs> it's pretty exciting to get into the company. So what were those first years in the company like? Like, what was the, the atmosphere in the company at the time, and what was really So I got in, in, um, I got in the company uh, Nutcracker, by myself, I was in trouble. They were going to send me home. <laughs> Balanchine said, well, if you can't teach her, I can. And he told me I wasn't going to dance. <clears throat> he said, you know, you're not really ready, and you're not like everyone else, and I have to sort of protect you from the public. And none of that made sense to me. None of it. It was like he'd spoken like Latin to me. Because you were a teenager at the time, right? Yeah, so, I was so. six, 17 or 16, uh -huh. 17. 
17, just turned 17. And I thought I was like everybody else. And I guess the, the moral of that story is I still do, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you are who you are and you fight the lack of the bad habits and you, and you try to understand what are your good habits and you press on those uh, when you're wise enough to do it. But as a young person, I was pretty, I was erratic. Um, and... You know, Balanchine really mentored me into a career, uh, Stanley and Balanchine. Stanley, I just always loved Stanley Williams. I just loved, I loved his class from the day one. Um, I loved the challenge of that kind of movement that had much more to it than athleticism. It had nothing to do with... with uh, you know, you started to understand that the training steps weren't just training steps. That a tondu, you know, so Balanchine and, and Stanley in those years in nineteen in the seventies were working very much in tandem. Uh, all the emphasis on the music and emphasis on uh, refinement and. I mean, it was it was it was really an exciting time, and you know, the young Gelsey, who was just just older than me, but she was in the company doing theme and variations, and she had this kind of gossamer technique and uh, and point work, uh, you know, an extraordinary um, accomplished dancer at a very very young age, very, I mean, exquisite, and. You know that was Stanley, and you see it. You see a red thread through the those that decade and a half. You know, certainly Eddie. You know, in, you know Eddie. Eddie's body was so less flexible, say, than someone like myself. But the but the effort to make the movement weighted or more exquisite than it's ever been is. Such a challenge that brain just you can go on overload, you know. You can really like just coup de pied can be like wow, right? It's like a drug almost, you know. <laughs> it's like just wrapping that foot and this lift of the knee and then pushing and then closing without settling. Oh my god, it's like heaven, right? And then you dream that you can take that with you into you know, the core of Stars and Stripes. And you can't, because you really can't do the core of Stars and Stripes yet. You know, you're only 17, and you're like, ah. <laughs> in my case, you know. So um, those first years were a challenge. Um, and then, and then I kind of understood how to dance better. I remember it's a funny story. I was doing, I was put into um, Emerald's Pas de Trois, and I was next to Susie Bell. And I felt something on this step, going side to side. She was doing it. So taste step, we side back, pas de cheval, front tap. And the way she was doing it, I kind of just, I had been rehearsed, you know, like, well, we didn't really have ballet masters back then, but, you know, I learned it and I did it. But I was just kind of, I was just kind of dancing, right? And then I felt this sort of measured control that like changed everything. Wow. I love that story. And from there forward, things were different. I was available, you know, and I've probably been in the company already, I think four years. It took me a long time. I was not a child prodigy <laughs> by any means. You know, it was always, oh, she's so talented, but, but, but. So I had a lot of challenges. I was I was physically I could jump, but I was a little weak on point, and music was not my strong suit. And so that reassurance of what Susie showed, uh, I mean, she was just dancing. She wasn't teaching. She was m my girl. You know, it was it was Ricky Weiss and Susie Pill and me, um, and I learned a lot. I I didn't I wouldn't know this about you because you danced, um, you know, with with such distinguished meant in um, Agon or Symphony in Three Movements, the most complicated um, scores. So when you say, that really intrigued me, to, that you said musicality didn't come naturally to you. So Well, you know, it's, it's a fascinating topic. And 
you know, when you say that you're not musical and you're a Balanchine ballerina, people are like, oh, that's not possible, <laughs> right? Yeah. So what I should say is that I didn't hear music exactly, I didn't react to music exactly in the same traditional way. And, you know, Balanchine required me to get those tools. And then he let me really play around. Uh, he liked something about it tremendously. He used to say to me, you know, like you do, dear, but only after I had learned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had a lot of help learning. Uh, Judy Fugate helped me. Kira helped me. Uh, Bart Cook, who was one of my, my first big partner, uh, he helped me. Uh, Jock Soto helped me. Peter helped me. Um, Sean Lavery helped me. Uh, they helped me stay. I get lost in the music. Serenade, I'm, you know, I'm a little lost. And I've certainly learned to find my way. But I had to acknowledge the weakness, so I still talk about it. I had to acknowledge I had a weakness. Or I was just going to always be off the music, and it wasn't going to work for Balanchine. It couldn't be <laughs> off the music, right? But he came to like, say, in... I remember in Symphony in Three Movements, I was really just right right on top, right, right on top of that music. And he was like, no, dear, it's okay. Do how you do. He didn't mind that I would hang back a little if I knew what it was. Mm -hmm. It's that same old, you have to know, you have to sort of surrender to your devil, if you will. And then he liked me to add in, like in Dewdrop, he sometimes would have me do things in five. He'd say, just go over, just go completely over. Don't listen, don't count, don't anything. Just because it would give it a sort of, you know, a kind of like underwater quality instead of being athletic and hitting, you know. Um, and Agon in particular, um, I mean, that was my, you know, that was my uh, lifeblood in a way, that ballet, watching it, living it. I remember I said to him once, I uh, was watching it, and I said to him, God, how did you make this ballet? And he said, what do you mean, how did you make this ballet? I, I said, well, I mean, how did you make it? And he said, well, I had the music. He said, where did Stravinsky get the music? He got it from the air. He said. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that score has such fluid kind of pings, for better, for want of a better word. It's got, um, it's got elasticity. And so that contrast that you give it, that push and pull, that cat-like, and then you just pounce, right? And you wait and wait and wait. He liked when we waited, mm -hmm. you know? He once said to me about uh, calcium. He said, you know, you don't even have to do anything, dear. All you have to do is walk on. You just stand there. Take your time. Not somebody else's ballet. Take <laughs> your time. Right? I'm not sure Peter agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we know a lot about your... Um, principal roles that you were really well known for, but in those early years, what were some of the core roles that you danced and did you originate any of those core roles? Mm. So I was in the Stravinsky, I was in the corps de ballet in the Stravinsky Festival. Mm -hmm. So I was the smallest of the tall girls in Symphony in Three. I did that spot. That's really? special. Awesome. <laughs> I like that. That's nice. <laughs> That's nice. How tall are you? I'm five Five four. Okay. So we have, we're pretty short though. So I move, I've moved up in recent years. <laughs> yeah, I'm five five plus okay. or was or yeah. whatever and so and that was a fun day you know yeah. he took us all one by one and we didn't know what he was trying to do you know it didn't it didn't occur immediately he didn't say okay we're gonna go from small to tall he always started ballets like that uh -huh. um he kind of stalled and he kind of played around with us the, the the young women in the company he he'd take one you know I just saw something on Facebook the other day uh, Leslie Roy wrote she said that when he started the last waltz in Vienna Waltzes, uh, and I didn't remember this because I was in it too, um, he took her by the hand and he said, you know, dear, okay, now choose a boy. She chose Danny Duell. And uh, she remembered that, and that memory was so strong of how he began ballets. He would walk in and he would 
you know, take off his tie or whatever if he had it, you know, if he had his bolo or anything. Roll up his sleeves, take a dancer, somebody who was friendly with maybe Delia, and he'd put her somewhere. And then he'd take, and then he'd go to Penny, who was this gorgeous blonde girl. He'd put her somewhere. And slowly we'd start to understand what he was doing. Um, you know, and, and Willie and Stephanie, these are Wilhelmina Frankfurt and Stephanie Saland and sort of Maria Caligari and Kira was in Lauren Hauser. You know, there was, I was a little bit older than those girls, maybe two years, maybe more ahead, uh, certainly. But we'd all be in the big ballet. So I was in Symphony in Three. Um, I didn't learn violin then. Um, I was in Pulcinella, which was just chaos. <laughs> I mean, I remember he screamed at one point from the audience, countesses, countesses. And everybody was like looking around. And he was like, Hatter, Gary L. And Gary L and I were like, we didn't even know we were countesses, you know? And it was like the general <laughs> rehearsal. It, uh-huh. was, it was a mess. It was really, that was Balanchine at his wildest. Just millions of people and costumes and townsfolks. And he would always get like me and Peter Nauman to come forward and like, Peter would sing and I'd act when we'd say, just think of something, you know? So he'd take his sort of most kind of overdramatic hits and, and lean on them, you know? And then years later, you know, like Union Jack, I was in Suzanne's regiment and full of attitude. Cause I think, you know, I was, I was like a, I was soloist or principal or whatever, meaning I was doing all those roles, but I was in the core, still listed in the core. And, you know, you know, that kind of city ballet, hands on hips, like, you know, except I was really delighted to be in Suzanne's regiment and do the Wrens, and um, yeah, and that was great fun with him. Being in the corps de ballet of the ballets he, he choreographed was tremendously fun. Um, Symphony in Three was incredible because there were the ten, the five couples, and it was like, um, it was like a, it was like a race course or a, you know, a, f- a traffic jam on the freeway where one car's going that way. And, you know, and it, it was tense. It was tense, but it was awesome. And I, and I love that ballet to this day. It's, yeah. It's one of our favorites mm-hmm. to perform. Yeah, no, it's amazing, isn't it? We will return to Conversations on Dance after this word from our sponsor, Dance for a Corner. If you have been a fan of the pod for a while now, you have likely heard us talk about Zarelli Legwear. Dancewear Corner is pleased to announce that Zarelli tights are now available online and in their store. If you are looking for the perfect tights for the studio and on stage, discover Zarelli. At Zarelli, a team of designers, engineers, physical therapists, and dancers have come together to create high-technology legwear that promises to improve your performance life cycle. There is a style for each cycle of the dancer's career, rehearsals, performance, and recovery. Explore all the styles and get yours now at dancewearcorner.com. And if you are in the Orlando area, stop by their superstore to experience all that the Dancewear Corner has to offer. So uh, what were some of the first soloist and principal roles Balanchine cast you in and, and worked with you on? Um. So the first thing I was ever taught was Allegra's part in um, Episodes, the concerto. Um, And that was very confusing and wild because she wasn't there and there was no way to learn it, really. So Balanchine kind of taught it to me. Um, It was always a challenge when he had to teach something. It was kind of funny. He (laughs) taught me second movement symphony in C, and it was, a lot of it was... Not right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was wondering. It's yeah, I was, yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't that wrong, but it wasn't that right. You know, he <laughs> he'd conflate steps, uh, se- sections, uh, episodes um, with Bart Cook, and Bart had been doing it with Allegra, and I was really intimidated and excited, and it felt really right. Um, Allegra was a shero of mine. She was definitely a dancer that. I was beyond enamored of, and, uh, you know, you have to remember in these years, also, it was a tense time. Bal- uh, Suzanne had just left when I joined, and Balanchine made Who Cares right before I joined, and uh, and he had done Theme for Galsy right right before I joined, 
So when I came in, the next thing he did was lay sulfide, um, Chopiniana. And that was kind of crazy. And I wasn't in it, but I understudied it. Then the Stravinsky Festival. And then slowly, in this, in this, in those years, I would get like a little, but they were always like big parts. I would get called to like second movement symphony in C or episodes, or I would get called to learn Midsummer to Verta Small Paw. But meanwhile, I was still getting yelled at in the core. <laughs> so, you know, and Jerry was calling me to dances at a gathering and, and, and the cage and big, big, big roles, but I was barely hanging on in the core. And it was a confusing time as a dancer. I wasn't quite strong enough to get those roles. Um, Balanchine was great with me. I mean, he was, he was endlessly um, patient and impatient. He would really yell at me. I never saw him yell at other dancers the way he did back then. Um, I mean, he would take me to his office and like, put his key and he looked like Capelius. He was like shaking so hard. Why did you miss your costume fitting? I mean, he was really teaching me how to be a professional dancer, which, you know, I just didn't know how. I didn't have the sense of show up and be responsible um, coming from my background or coming from my personality. But he taught me slowly over time that showing up and being polite to others, you know, he was like, do you know who Madame Karinsky is? You had her wait for you. You know, and that sticks. I remember it now, and I feel shame now. It wasn't just like, you're bad. He explained to me that I had inconvenience, not only a, a genius, but been rude to an older person. It was sort of, it made sense. It, ow, and ouch, and ow, it hurt. I, I love those stories, because I feel like what when we talk to people who worked with Balanchine, so much of what it is is that he wasn't just teaching you how to dance; he was teaching you how to be in the world too, how to oh, respect yeah. others, and and so that's a I, yeah. And you know, you didn't, you know, my my life suddenly when it when it took off, it took off, and you know, you could easily get lost in that like fame game, and and uh, and there was no room for that there. So when did things start to sort of click for you and you, you were doing a lot of principal soloist rep and you, you achieved your first promotion? What was that experience like? Well, um, a lot of it kind of came into focus. Um, I mean, Jerry and Chances and Rubies and Tchaikovsky potted and Stars and blah, 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 blah. And then Peter did Calcium. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was his, his first ballet. And... Uh, you know, it was received kind of insanely. Um, I think part of it was the shock that he, this kind of Danish prince, had that. And also, you know, it was very, um, I don't know, well-suited. It was obviously about me mm -hmm. in, in many ways, you know. I mean, I I was very much a woman of my time. And, and you know, I walk out and my, I do the boy solo. And so when people talk about gender stuff, I'm like, oh, I don't think Peter gets quite enough credit. I know? thought Miami City Ballet, we we did Calcium this season, and it really surprised me. I hadn't seen it in ages. I think I'd just seen the video of, of you in it um, as a student when I was a student. Um, and so to see it again, and since there is so much um, discussion today of uh, re sort of redefining gender roles, and I love that, that they do the same variation back to back. And right. so that must have been very shocking for that time. I mean, not that much was made of it. It was more that it just, you know, it was such a, I mean, I didn't wear, I was the first, you know, I didn't wear tights. And people were shocked. And the ballerinas were like, that's not what a ballerina dresses like. And, you know, and Balanchine differently. Oh, dear, what's it like? And I said, what, what, what's what like? And he said, what's it like to dance barefoot? I said, oh, it's great. You know, I put rosin on my feet, and I really can feel the floor. And he said, oh, he was very interested, mm -hmm. you know, very, very interested. Um, and he liked the ballet a lot. Um, he actually said to me, Peter, he, he, he needed it for something. So Jerry canceled or something, and he said, I heard you did a ballet for your girlfriend. You know, can I see it? And... Um, he said he had choreographed to the last piece, Halloween, in Iveziana. Mm -hmm. 
and in his ballet. And at one point he just said, I couldn't count it at all. So I just had Melissa, I think it was, improvise. And he said, how do you count it? And we were like, oh, we don't. We just, <laughs> just <get through. laughs> yeah, we just keep going. Hope there's enough music at the end. But yeah, so that sort of cemented that. And then, you know, I started, I danced a little with Misha and outside of the box stuff, um, you know, so that, you know, sort of mid-70s. And, you know, Balanchine was, was wonderful. And, and even Jerry, he was good about it. He was nice to me. And, you know, I was a hard worker. So that made up for a lot of the craziness. <laughs> um, do you have any specific memories of Balanchine coaching you in any principal roles? Any oh, yeah. specific Lots. moments that stand out? Yeah. Um, well, yes, I do have a very strong memory about Dewdrop. Um, oh. And it's funny, it was uh, it was a matinee, and I had done it, you know, and he used to cast me like six out of eight a week. And I had really always wanted to do it. It was a role I really felt. Uh, but there was a wedding that day. It was a matinee, and uh, it was Susie Pell. She was getting married. And... It was across town, and I was going to finish the matinee and run over. And Balanchine came out on the stage, and he just took me to the cleaners. And he had me dancing for at least half an hour on the stage. And it was all centered around not, he said, you feel beautiful. You, you try, you're trying to look beautiful instead of just dancing. And you know what? I didn't. I didn't know how right he was. I had a misconception of the role, in a sense, is what he's saying. I think that I was, I was a beautiful dewdrop instead of a dazzling dewdrop. And man, he beat it into me. I mean, not physically, obviously, <laughs> but dancing it, dancing it, boom, d sharp, sharp, sharp. You'll never. Well, he said to me, "Are you afraid you're going to look tough, dear? You'll never look tough. You can't. You can't. You you can't look tough." So try to be tough. And I trashed the rest of that season. I was trying, I was in and out. I was a little resentful, I was hurt, I was trying to do what he said, but not, I hadn't, and, but over time, I, I found, you know, by the next year, I found a way to, I don't know, sing my dewdrop, you know? And that was really very, uh, amazing it was amazing because he saw right through me i was trying <laughs> to be pretty <laughs> you know i had what we call pink itis right you know what, what damien and, and peter and the guys always call white tight itis i had pink i want to you know pink and and that you know that's something i try to help our young people with today so you obviously, you had developed this really close, beautiful, artistic relationship with Balanchine, but um, when you lost him in 1983, when he passed, how did that affect your career, and how did you sort of move on but maintain what, what you had with him as well? I didn't. You... I mean, that's kind of, you know, I kept dancing, um, but again, hindsight. Uh, you know, I taught about Balanchine's life and work at Harvard uh, 10 years ago when Damien was there. And, it, and the class was three hours long. And at the end, da Damien couldn't come until the end. He had a class. He was, he was going to school, and I was teaching. And um, he'd walk in for the end of my class, and he said to me, do you realize that you say my real career when you talk about your time with Balanchine. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean? He said, when you talk about the time you were there with Balanchine, you say my real career. And the rest of it, if you mention anything at all, which is rare, you just say my career. And I guess that pretty much says it all, you know. And I, I, have, so, I, have, 
I have some sorrow. I wouldn't say regrets. I have some sorrow that I didn't have the wisdom to just, say, take a year off. I mean, it was excruciating for me, obviously, um, although I don't think it was perceived that way. There was this whole perception that my boyfriend was taking over the company, and this would be so good for me, mm. um, which <laughs> is about the most cuckoo thing I've ever heard since my mentor died. Right. And Peter was pretty... Uh, uh, traumatized is the wrong word, but I mean, he was shaken to his core. He lost Balanchine too. So it wasn't like we were these two happy campers who were like, oh good, Balanchine's dead, you take, go there and I'll do this. Mm -hmm. And I certainly didn't amass anything I hadn't already had. I just had it without the thing that mattered the most to me. And, you know, I think we were all traumatized and, I mean, I look at this from a completely objective uh, kind of stand-back way now, and I think about, say, Wendy and Damien uh, arriving to this mess, where we're all, everybody's off in a corner grappling. And, you know, a lot of blame was sort of uh, addressed to, to certainly Peter and, and secondarily to me. And uh, there was a lot more press available then. There were many outlets and... Mm -hmm specialty magazines and places to write and there were a lot of broken-hearted critics and um, every indication that the company was going to move forward was painful to them and they were really hideous. Mm -hmm. I mean, the kind of hideous you kind of can't imagine to Peter and again secondarily to me. Um, a lot of people acted like I hadn't been a ballerina under Balanchine, and that's the most. That was so painful. Then I can't imagine why I listened to it. Now. Mm -hmm. I mean, now I would just laugh in their face. But uh, you know, there wasn't any comfort for me. There, Peter certainly couldn't comfort me. I mean, how how could he? He tried, and I couldn't comfort him. You know, he was he was stronger than me. Um, thank God. Um, you know, he tried to comfort me by saying, oh, well, but look at how beautiful you are. Like, that doesn't, that's not, or they're jealous of you. Mm -hmm. It was more than that. Everybody was hurt, um, and I started to fall apart. So there was some truth, and then it became a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think. I kind of let myself just go. And so some sorrow over it, but you know what? Life is short. I'm I don't think about it anymore. Do you think that your partnership with Jock after b helped you get through some of those difficult times? Yeah, in some ways, but it was also a way to hide. Mm. You know, it was, um, I mean, Jock was a spectacular partner. Uh, incredible, actually. Mm. Uh, and a, such a beautiful presence on the stage, a spectacular uh, you know, what a story, too, you know, because there's nothing traditional about Jock as a, as a male dancer. You know, not his feet, not his legs, not his face, not his, you know, not his profile, and just singularly spectacular. Um, those were kind of rebellious years in a way. Um, I think the whole dance field was suffering without Balanchine and without Ashton and without McMillan and without Granko. Um, I think it was very, very hard for us who were there. I mean, Kira and I were just coming of the age where possibly we would have done much more work with him. Um, but I think it was equally hard for those that weren't there who had been there sort of unimaginable to be, you know, Diana Adams or Eddie Valella and not be there. Mm -hmm. He just sort of just wasn't there anymore. Like we kind of got to know. Yeah, really hard to talk about. Sorry. No, I, I'm really so... not saying anything. No, just sort I, of. I, ah! <laughs> I think I'm trying to tell you the truth, and I don't really know it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I love your your honesty and your vulnerability because it's 
so hard for us as people who adore Balanchine, never, never knew him, you know, never, it wasn't even a possibility. I was born four years after he died. So, right. but that's always this idea of this man is what kind of drives us, um, even though we'll never know him. But if, if you had known him and had that taken away, that that's just a different story. That's something you it's can't It's taken explain. us a long time as a community to come back to the sense, you know, everybody always says, oh, Balanchine would change things for you, right? But that's actually not really accurate. It's not like he would change things for you. It's like he'd been thinking about it for a long time and he wanted to change it, or you couldn't do it. And he'd say, well, I remember in Raimondo, I couldn't do those, dun, 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 I couldn't <laughs> do it. And, and so I did it in four, and he said, well, no, what else you got, dear? And I was like, well, why can't I do it in four? And he was like, because it's not interesting. And he said, well, so he had me do something else. I forget, like doubles from fifth or I don't know, some, but it still wasn't, I don't know what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it was free in the sense of it wasn't, there wasn't only one way to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And if you're Damien and Wendy and you walk into that environment where we're all desperately clinging on to what he said to me, and the, and Patty to her, and that one. And so it's like all fractured, mm-hmm. right? And it all matters, like on a level that's just like insane. And yes, it does matter. That information matters, but it didn't really matter who he said it to. Mm-hmm. And the order is so confusing because if you were a young ballerina principal or on the younger side. The older ones didn't really take you seriously. You're not a real ball, you know, but you are. You're dancing everything. You're dancing four times a night. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's a real ballerina starts to flit through your mind. Um, your relationship to the repertoire and how he approaches you with that is very individual. He would correct me right on the stage in front of everybody. Much calmer, much quieter with Kira. She didn't need the kind of... Uh, rigor that I would need. She was very self-sustained and calm, a beautiful kind of professionalism. And he rarely, um, you know, and he had different relationships with all of us, just like any, like, like any director, but they were all real and valid. And um, now I feel, I feel the freedom to remember all the various things I observed and offer them up without saying this one matters or this is right. This, this idea that one thing is right. I say, oh, I've seen it like that, but I've also seen this. Why don't you try that? Right. Maybe it's better for you. And I've always done that, but I don't hide it anymore. Uh, well, I do hide it because I'm always meeting people in like dark alleys to do this. But <laughs> 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 Yeah. So um, what part of the coaching process do you find most fulfilling? Setting them free when they go free, you know, and it's momentary. It's not, it's not like, and you're off and they're free. It's like they get a sense of it for themselves. You know, it's always about their own voice and how strong it is, how strong it is that you know, my Allegro. You know, this is how I Allegro, right? Because, I mean, when I think back, you know, you see, so I, I first saw Patty McBride. It was the free, it was like somebody took five flower petals and just threw them on the stage, mm-hmm. right? It was the, it was wild. Mm-hmm. And, and, Maria, you see in the movie, she's very imperious and yet wild in a kind of Soviet way almost. It's odd. It's so odd. And then Suzanne came back and did it. And I mean, when Suzanne came back in 75, I mean, wow. You know, she was the same age Tyler is now. She was 28. And she could really dance. And all of that beauty, and she had lengthened out in a weird way. She was, 
I mean, she was extraordinary. And what she brought to those ballets was insane. Um, and length, and it wasn't wild like, eh, it was wild like off balance or extra turn or staying longer than you could believe after the music. And it wasn't gutsy, it was dance. It was dancing on the edge of a volcano. It was hanging on to an arabesque in a way that was so perilous you couldn't believe you would, you know. And so you try to try to help people find that in themselves. That's what I do when I coach, whether it's Carla or Tyler or Monique or Unity. I try to help them find their scary their their risk. Right. Right. So speaking of Tyler, you and uh, Damien have a very close relationship with Tyler uh, Peck and Robbie Fairchild of New York City Ballet. Um, what is it about these two that you have has really drawn you to them and feel like you want to take them under your wing? Um, well, Tyler was Damien's last partner and um, he chose her. He said he came home one day and he said, there's this girl in um, Opus Jazz and she has this high ponytail and she does this step and you she's like a little jazz master mm-hmm. and i so i asked a friend who who is what's her name and and i said oh it's the girl from uh broadway it's the broadway girl and damien said what do you mean and i said well i saw her in the workshop do my old part in union jack and i called up a friend and said who is that? And he said, oh, she's the one from, uh, what's this musical she was in? She did uh, Music Man, didn't Thank she? you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Senior moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was in the Stroman Music Man. And so we both had identified her in those kind of roles. And then uh, Damien needed a partner for Carousel, and he asked Chris to do it with Tyler. She was like 15, I think. And we were over, and so Damien felt like it was the end of his career, and he wanted to help her. Chris wasn't here. There wasn't it. And so I came in and would go over to the school and and rehearse with them at the Rose Building. And, um, I mean, she's just so talented. Yeah. Yeah, she was just so talented. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun, and then she got hurt. She hurt her back rehearsing. and I remember I wrote her something. She had, she had a stress fracture in her back, and it was very scary because she was so young. She went home to Bakersfield for six months, and I wrote to her. When she came back, I said, keep your spirits up and your arabesque down. <laughs> and so that sort of became our... She's sort of sort of Damien's daughter slash... You know, she's sort of, she's, fa- they're, we're family. Mm-hmm. Um, and she brought us Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we hadn't noticed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, what I have had particularly noticed, because I remember I was at school with Tyler Peck, and she was this like whiz kid, virtuoso technique out the wazoo. But then I, I knew that you guys had been working with her, and I hadn't seen her perform for a few years. But the ballerina, the perfume, the essence of um, what makes something really beautiful, that kind of came in. Do, do you feel like, did you always know that that was a side of her? Did you always, was that something you helped to draw out that she could Listen, be we, elegant? We, and, we, we've talked about, you know, it's been a decade of talking mm-hmm. about various aspects. Um, Boy, like me, she 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 can veer over into being too sweet, which is not the same thing as lyrical. Mm-hmm. And and you know that was a hard. There was a hard moment a few some years back when I I really said you know I really you know and tears come to the eyes and, and there's 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 hard moments in this process and there's just so much. She is so gifted and so. 
Yeah, I always knew Tyler had a great lyrical dancer in her. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Always. Um, but knowing how to adjudicate it, knowing how to use it, knowing, you know, when you're, I, the thing that the thing that I can't understand is when you're that good, how do you look spontaneous? <laughs> and she just did some allegros that just killed me. Uh-huh. And they were spont. They did mm-hmm. look spont. Still, she straightens up and flies right sometimes. Uh-huh. And you want, you know, I, I've, uh, we tease her, um, but wow, what a capacity for dance! Holy Toledo, right? I, I love that you brought that up because it, it made me think of this moment where Meryl was coaching Tyler and Ballet Imperial for the Balanchine Foundation, and that opening is one of the trickiest openings you can have in a Balanchine Ballet. And Tyler was too good at it. It like Meryl had to keep t- trying to get her to not ace those turns in such an, an easy way. Right. I mean, you have wait. to stop on a dime, but wait. Yeah, it's, it's just was, it was the the first time maybe anyone's ever said those things to someone. You know that 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 part had always presented such a challenge to people, but now she can just do it in her sleep, kind of. <laughs> well, Valentine said. You know, it's all going to be different in 50 years. And I thought, no, 100 maybe. And he was right. I mean, Tyler can just do it. And in that, it it can lose some of the thrill. And we don't want that for her. No, yeah. So in 2012, you received your Doctorate of Fine Arts from Hunter College. Honorary. Honorary. I didn't go to school. <laughs> I didn't say that. I was wrong. I'm wrong. Well, it's okay, sweetheart. Um, I didn't go to school. We'll skip that question. Though. But no, I'll tell you. I'll tell, tell me all about it's it. The road not traveled. <laughs> don't be, don't be sad. No. So, so you know, Damien genuinely wanted to go to school, and I genuinely wanted to live at Harvard. <laughs> Two different things, right? Um, I embraced those kids. They're some of my closest. Claudia Schreier was one of my students. Um, she was just a fellow here. Um, Kate Penner works with us in Vail. Uh, I still have kids. Katie Kachiki, photog- dance photographer. I still have kids from that first class. Um, so it turns out that what I really love is young people and being with them. And so education itself, getting an honorary doctorate from Hunter was like so much icing on the cake. For me, it was the perfect school. It represented so much that I believe in, which is education for everybody. It's a commuter school where people work so hard. They'll graduate. uh, They'll have people at the graduation. It's like, oh, my God, this guy was a drug dealer, and then he was in prison for 20 years, and then he's worked as a janitor for 12 years, and he's finally getting his BA. And you're like, oh, my God. What people, I mean, it's what I believe in. You know, and Damien did walk the walk. He went and educated himself. I, on the other hand, just indulged in all the merch and <laughs> all the fun and all the kids <laughs> and teaching. I, I love to teach. So in addition to all the coaching you do, you've done numerous lectures and seminars on Balanchine, including teaching academic classes on his life and work at Harvard University. Uh, how did these endeavors come about and why do you feel like they're important in preserving Balanchine's legacy? Hmm. Wow, you guys work hard for this. You're not, <laughs> you're not winging it. Okay, so I'll just tell the story quick. So when Damien was at Harvard, they had asked him, they heard he was coming and they asked him to teach a class, and um, a dance class. And uh, he couldn't, he had a class. So he sent me and um, I got involved with the kids. I started helping them with their ballet company which is not a it's a student company and so I knew some of the dancers and I started talking to them and they literally didn't seem to know anything about anything to do with the arts so when I was I actually had a student who didn't know who Jasper Johns was Um, and 
So I said to a dean, they don't know anything about the arts. And he said, well, how do you plan on solving that? And I said, well, I could teach a course about Balanchine because he spans the 20th century. He was born in 1904, died sadly in 1983. And then I'd have two weeks for Stravinsky, and he said, go ahead and do it. Really? I said, yeah, I'm a high school dropout. I said, no, it's, <laughs> it's okay. I think you can handle that. No, so it was a long process, and I wrote a course, and I took it very seriously. So all joking aside, um, and it was an incredible experience and such an honor. And I've continued doing that in different ways. You know, I've taught a different course at Princeton. But um, now, I like for young people especially to understand that Balanchine didn't get it all at once. Um, a lot of young people, certainly college age people, feel like if they haven't already written the code for, you know, uh, a website, they're losers. And, you know, <laughs> Balanchine got here in 33 and he did not get the company for 15 years, you know, and he got knocked down and got back up and knocked down. And while he was being knocked down on the company dream, he was making Barocco and the four temperaments ultimately. But... You know, and he got fired from the mat. He used to carry that in his wallet, this little piece of paper. He loved to take it out of his wallet and show it to you. See, I was fired. You know, you have to remember, Balanchine was a rebel, you know. So I always forget about that because he was such an authority. I met him when he was, he was my age. He was in his 60s. And, but he was a rebel. And he, so you don't grow out of being a rebel. He still thought he was a rebel, you know. So when, when dancers would say, oh, I like the old way better, he'd say, well, you know, it's it's my ballet. Mm. You know, he was he was very. Uh, you know, he had led change, and he'd had to fight. People said that's not good ballet, but they said it's soulless. They said a lot of really bad things about him and his work, and he stood up to it. And he felt he felt comfortable in the in the role of pushing back. Mm -hmm. So, with such a prestigious career and so much to give. Uh, what is next for you? More of the same. <laughs> it's good. What lucky, lucky for it. What a, what, a, what a sweet question. Um, you know, I keep thinking of some kind of a less complicated, not, you know, not a TED Talk, nothing like that, like something educational for young people who might bump into it. I mean, Jock Soto uh, saw Edward Falella on the Ed Sullivan show. And that's how come he danced. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a long then, you know, there's the tipping point of, and then he went to Isabel Brown's school in Arizona, and that had a pipeline for, mm -hmm. you know, and they, they gave him a scholarship, and then he got a scholarship to the School of American Ballet. So there's a lot of pipeline, you know, he could have fallen off to the wayside many ways. But how are we attracting young people today if they don't already know about it? Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't, I, don't, I don't have an answer, but I do think about some sort of an online presence that could intrigue. I mean, I think uh, when you look at the influence of, you know, everybody knows who Little Buck is now. Everybody knows who he is, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's the online presence. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd like to think I could. I think I'm too, I don't think it'll be me, but I'd love to think that the respect for Balanchine, the love of all that the art form gave so many of us, and that it links us, that we, we share it, but that we're not precious about it. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I love that you guys are so self starting and, and enthusiastic and I wish you the best of luck and I think you are the ones who'll do the, the what we were talking about yeah I was just gonna say you should start a podcast because this has been great <laughs> so this reaches um brings us to this very um quick ending to our interview we do a lightning round with all of our guests so it's not tricky we just ask you one question and you'll give us the first thing that comes to mind okay okay uh favorite onstage moment Mine? Um, oh, God, I can't think. I can't think. I guess Concerto Barocco. Mm -hmm. What is the role that got away? 
Chicago. Oh, I know I did Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> but it still got away from me. Is that okay? <laughs> I, it was too late for me. Yeah. Um, if you could come back and dance tomorrow and you only had one ballet to dance, what would it be? I think I'd share the entrances in Dewdrop with Tyler. Uh, <laughs> uh, what ballet created after you retired would you most like to have danced? Oh, wow. I, 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 I guess I would have done After the Rain. Um, but Wendy was so amazing. So, Wendell, I, I don't want your role, Wendell. You can share it. <laughs> and lastly, what is your favorite correction to give? Uh, pinkies. Oh, I find if you put your pinky out, if your hand is like really not everything feels you can feel your feet better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Try it. See if it works. Let me know. Thank you guys so Thank much. Thank you so Congratulations much. Congratulations on what you've done. Thank this you. is I'm so proud of you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week on Conversations on Dance. Follow us now on social media at, at Conversations on Dance and subscribe now on iTunes so that you will automatically be notified when a new episode goes live. Thanks for joining us this week on Conversations on Dance. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.